Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. And uh, thank you for coming out again. I have some brief announcements to make before we get underway and hear our speaker. Uh, first of all, I want you to be sure that you've turned off your cell phones, uh, and will you be sure to have paid uh, the cost of the luncheon and the program today, the $11 to be put in your basket, and if somebody at your table would please count that. Now, uh, what we uh, our custom here is that we have a guest speaker who will speak for about um, 25 or 30 minutes, then we'll stop for lunch, and then a little before 1 o'clock we'll start up again with a question period. So that's how our how events work. Our guest speaker today is Reg Bibby, and he is not retiring. Uh, that appeared in the paper, but he's very anxious to make that very clear that he has no intentions of doing so. He has been uh, 40 years at the university teaching sociology and is the Board of Governors Research Chair in that field of study. <clears throat> his, um, some of his books are out on display out here, although he has denied to me he sent them there for selling, but there's more than one book, so I'm not sure that uh, it's not <laughs> really there for selling. He also wants um, to you to know that he is the research affiliate with Apprentice Institute, and you need to be very clear that that's not a political organization. <laughs> <laughs> Reg, you've been here before, and we're very glad to have you back. Welcome. Well, thank you very much for the, uh, for the introduction, the kind words. Uh, one of the interesting things about coming back here is that uh, I've really had a long history with SACPA. Uh, going back to that uh, rascal who uh, I gather is now basking in uh, the warm climes of, uh, of British Columbia, uh, but Gordon Campbell, of course, having been a friend and uh, an interesting colleague over time, interesting in the sense of uh, being such a, such a character, and uh, I very much valued Gordon over time. Well, uh, it's tricky here. We've been gathering an awful lot of data, and I'll explain the tricky part in half a second. Uh, Gathering a lot of data for quite a period of time, going back to the mid-1970s when I first came to Lethbridge, uh, a series of national surveys of adults, uh, national surveys of teens, and uh, adding up to lots of information. One of the things that's a delight these days is uh, the fact that one doesn't have to collect all of the data almost by oneself. Thanks to uh, Stats Canada, for example, and some major surveys they've been doing since the mid-1980s, uh, they called the General Social Surveys. In addition to that, from one's uh, kitchen table, it's uh, possible to access on your laptop major national or international data, data sets that are being made available uh, through organizations like Gallup and, uh, and Pew. And uh, in addition to that, as if we didn't have enough data, uh, we're continuing to generate some new data through national surveys, but instead of having to lick envelopes and do a lot of the work here from Lethbridge, uh, we're able to do these things in partnership with, uh, with Angus Reid in the last couple of years, including a major national survey on religion that we completed in mid-March that some of you may have seen in terms of uh, McLean's magazine and the reporting that was done. 
Rodney Stark, who's one of my favorite sociologists, sums up uh, the situation with data pretty, pretty much uh, well, about as well as anyone when he says there's, there's no shortage of data. There's really a shortage of good ideas. And I throw that in by way of saying that we've been writing a number of books. This is not a commercial for the books. It's simply to say that some individuals look and say, Bibi, you wrote that first book, Fragmented Gods, in 1987, so why would you write another one? Well, as we uh, have been uh, exposed to more and more data, I've been finding, I've been finding, and uh, people in the field have been finding that uh, we all have to go back to the drawing board and rework a lot of our ideas. And so we've had a series of books now over time, and the latest being the book Beyond the Gods and Back that came out in 2011, and it's being uh, done up as a second edition uh, in, uh, that'll come out in 2016 with UBC Press. And so we're continuing to try to make sense of things. And uh, also in 2016, Angus Reid and I are teaming up to do a book on Canada's Catholics and trying to make sense of uh, what's happening with respect to Catholics in Canada. And uh, so lots of things on the go with respect to data collection, data accessibility, and uh, works that we're carrying out. I want to keep a close eye here on, uh, on uh, time. I say I think I've finally figured things out. Uh, a couple of quick things also before we really get flying here. You recognize that, uh, that uh, picture there? I've actually had some people say, Bibi, that was a good presentation, but it was like drinking from the fire hose. Uh, you're firing out so much data. And uh, today we'll, uh, we'll try to cut back on that. And the other thing that I find that I really have a problem with after all these years for all the presentations, I never have enough time. And a lot of you are thinking he's got too much time, you know, if anything. But we'll, uh, we want to try to roll a fair amount of information into a relatively uh, short amount of time, which I think now is down to 25 minutes. Is that right? So we'll, we'll get flying here. Well, here's what we want to do. And uh, by the way, the game plan here is to give you some basic ideas up until the, uh, the, the break and uh, our lunch and the question period, and then come back as necessary with, uh, with some more data, some more information in the course of trying to clarify some of the questions that you might have. Well, the religious situation, uh, a lot of people in uh, Canada and elsewhere felt that religion uh, was winding down. It was basically a thing of the past, a uh, secularization taken for granted, and I see we're flip-flopping here a little bit. I hope we, hope we can read through that. But the general sentiment was that things uh, seemed to be bad and they were only going to get worse. And some of you who are have been uh, exposed to social scientists, uh, like some I mentioned here, Durkheim, Freud, Marx, uh, a lot of these people thinking in terms of secularization. And uh, we were not uh, immune from that. Uh, I was putting my classes through uh, secularization thinking for a number of decades. They were getting A's for being A's, essentially uh, being able to lay out the situation in Canada as being one that frankly added up to a lot of gloom and doom. The basic argument in terms of secularization is that, uh, for the most part, it's pretty linear, uh, that people are religious, and in a country like Canada, have been religious in the past, and increasingly over time are becoming less religious. And uh, when we look at data over time, in fairness to yours truly and others, that certainly is the way things have seemed. For example, when you look at uh, data like this, not a pretty picture as far as attendance in Canada, 1945 through 2005, a uh, significant decline, obviously. Especially hard hit during the time of alleged uh, secularization, mainline Protestants, you know who we mean by that? Looking at a mainline Protestant in front of me here. United Church, Anglicans, Lutherans, Presbyterians. 
and also Quebec Catholics. And we're not exaggerating. When we look at the United Church of Canada, uh, national membership over time, I look at my classes and I say, would you invest in a company like that? Uh, has not looked good, and no surprise to those of you who are united. Uh, for those who are Anglican, who are laughing with the United Church problems, well, keep whoops, we went a little fast there. Uh, the Anglican Church situation pretty bleak as well uh, over time. And then uh, in Quebec, as far as Roman Catholics, hard to believe. Some of us are a bit cynical about the fact that Gallup claimed that in the 1960s, over 80% of Catholics claimed that they had attended Mass in the previous seven days. And uh, you can see what the figures look like now. A tremendous decline over time. And then, adding to this pretty picture, the proportion of Canadians indicating that they have no religion. You can see what's happened over the last 40, 50 years. And we'll update that a little bit. But anyway, you can see uh, none in 1961. Do you really believe that? We're, you know, Some of you who were around in, in those days... Didn't you have some people who said they had no religion? I was looking at some old stats, can archival data the other day, and they point out that way back in the, the days of the colonies, there were at least a handful of people who said they had no religion. But as a percentage of the Canadian population, not very many, and you can see what's happened over time. Well, when your numbers are, are dropping, and I won't read these things as much as, uh, you know, since you can see them, some of these things that, are, uh, are, that I'm providing by way of text just offers some uh, summaries of uh, some of the things we're saying. But we're here we're, in this, uh, we're just saying when your numbers are dropping and uh, the dominant groups are in decline, it's hard not to buy into that wisdom that was coming from Europe, that religion's winding down and uh, it's going to be a casualty of modernization that happens everywhere. And we had people in Canada talking for uh, at least a few decades. Many of them are still using this language talking about this being a post-Christian era that uh, we need to hang in there, said some groups and be faithful remnants, prevailing churches, talking about a secular society. Now, here's the punchline so far. We now know that the picture painted by academics, religious leaders, the media, and others was inaccurate. So those who got the A's back there in the 80s and 90s, uh, we're going to have to take a, another look at those final exams because... Uh, they were wrong, and uh, we're saying uh, what we're passing on to people, not very accurate. I want to quickly argue that the market for religion persists. The problem we were having as far as trying to make sense of all that data uh, is that significant numbers of Canadians continue to value faith. When we just objectively would look at uh, what people were telling us, significant numbers continue to value faith. What's more, one of the things we really underestimated over time is the way, uh, the extent to which their ranks uh, were being and are being bolstered by sizable numbers of immigrants. When we look at uh, Statistics Canada data, for example, for 2011, and if you're looking at that data through the eyes of someone who says it's pretty much over for religion, well, objectively, when you've got those kinds of figures, yes, it's true, about 7 million plus, close to 8 million Canadians saying they have no religion, but you can still see that in the case of groups like Roman Catholics, the numbers are sizable. Even the mainline Protestants, the figures are high. And something you really keep an eye on is, of course, the growth among uh, groups like Muslims. But the overall situation as of 2011 hardly pointing to a Canada where religion has been abandoned. And if we look at Canadian service attendance through Stats Canada's eyes as of 2012, 
You can see, yes, it's true. You've got a significant proportion of Canadians who say they never attend. But you've also got, on the other side, you've got the weeklies and monthlies coming in at about 28%, uh, something like 3 in 10 Canadians still showing up on a monthly basis. So in short, starting to see a hint here of uh, what we want to argue for. We've got a core of people who are valuing faith. We've got a core of people who don't. We've got a lot of people in the middle. And... Uh, the patterns uh, in terms of those uh, dramatic graphs that I was showing you earlier big, of the big decline in attendance, you can see that if we go back over about the last 35 years, uh, that things have stabilized quite a bit. Certainly the nevers are up, but the monthly plusers are relatively stable over time. Well, we got a punchline in just a moment. Uh, well, here's a hint of it. Uh, let me just read this part. So it was that around 2010, yours truly had a mild two-point epiphany. Even sociologists have epiphanies. First, clearly some Canadians were embracing religion, an increasing number rejecting it, with the remainder somewhere in the middle. Second, that pattern is found everywhere on the planet. It's found everywhere. Uh, and that's the kind of table that my students die over. We ask them to memorize that hardly. Um, but... Uh, we're putting this up for, for a reason, not for you to get lost in the figures. It's drawn from beyond the gods and back. And it's just simply showing that when we look at uh, what's happening globally, you can see that uh, we've got some countries that are very much in a religion. Up the top there, Thailand and Nigeria, the Philippines, etc. United States a little higher than Canada. We hear about that all the time. And uh, toward the bottom, the Czech Republic, Sweden and China. Uh, but what we have is a pattern everywhere where people to varying degrees are embracing religion, rejecting religion, not into religion. Hardly a profound kind of a thing we're saying here at any point in time. A society's inclination to embrace or reject religion will vary depending on a number of factors. But the proclivity to opt for religion will always co coexist with the proclivity to reject it with, a note, no, no, with noteworthy numbers of people. Uh, somewhere in the middle. The primary academic question then becomes this, is, the ex is it's the extent to which populations at any point in time tend to gravitate toward one end of the continuum versus the other. And the obvious secondary question is why those variations take place. So we're saying this is the old argument, secularization. People and countries, religious, increasingly not religious. And that's what everyone is, almost everyone has been buying into. We're saying that the real, the more accurate depiction of what's been happening in Canada and elsewhere is that we have a continuum between people opting for religion, not opting for religion, and it looks something like this. Well, here's uh, again a couple of basic uh, bottom line points. Religion doesn't die. Uh, this naive notion that somehow religion was going to die out. Some of you who uh, have read things like Freud's The Future of an Illusion and the naivety of Freud talking about the fact that religion will essentially disappear. And you say, well, but how are we going to deal with the question of death? He says, well, we better just have to suck it up, you know, and realize that the fact of the matter is there's no hope and we're just going to have to, you know, live with that. And uh, uh, empirically, not many people really seem to be able to do that very well. Anyway, religion doesn't die. The need persists. If you're theologically inclined, you think of this famous line from Augustine. Um, this one from uh, Ron Rollheiser, a con more contemporary, obviously a contemporary Roman Catholic, thinking along the same lines. 
But if you're not into theology and you're into sociology, you look at people like Susan, you're not buying those guys, well, how about these guys here? When you get someone like Rodney Stark, a happy agnostic for the most part, as a, you know, a very, very uh, well-known and uh, reputable American sociologist, wrote a number of years ago that people continue to have needs that only the gods can satisfy. In his argument, we don't have time to get into it in a lot of detail, is that the demand for religion remains constant. If some groups fail, others emerge to fill the vacuum. What changes is the list of suppliers. The suppliers change, but don't fear for religion. Secularization does not lead to the end of religion, but rather it'll stimulate revitalization because the needs are ongoing. Here's what we are arguing. In Canada, we mistook the decline of our prominent mainline Protestant companies and the problems of the Roman Catholic Church in Quebec for the abandonment of religion. And to put it bluntly, we also assumed the analyses of some Eurocentric social scientists were applicable to Canada. On both counts, we were wrong. When we look at our national survey carried out in just, uh, you know, we're just talking about March of this year, and we ask Canadians outright, in terms of this notion that I've been flipping at you so far, we ask them outright, uh, to what extent uh, would you say you're embracing religion, you reject religion, or you're somewhere in the middle? Uh, Self-identification. Well, we get 30%. And again, I stress, this is a couple of months ago, 30% of Canadians who say they embrace religion. 45% constitute something of this ambivalent middle, and when it comes right down to it, we have some 25% who, in an outright way, say that they reject religion. Uh, and uh, so what we have here is, uh, is, is a polarized situation in Canada. And uh, why I, I like it is, you know, the old idea is that uh, good, good uh, theories, good hypotheses can uh, account for the data, and they have predictability. And when I run into people who are just uh, blatant atheists, have no use for religion, a lot of those people who respond to uh, religion stories in the Globe and Mail, for example, well, don't have any problem locating them. They're, they're in that particular grouping that we just talked about. They're rejecting religion. But we also know well that we've got people in this city, for example, are heading out uh, to church just about uh, every, every week. If they're, they're not Christians, they're heading out to other places, temples and mosques and, you know, and so on. And, and what we're saying here is we clearly have people who are embracing religion. And then I don't know where you are, but I suspect a fair number of you, uh, if you're like the rest of Canada, you're somewhere in the middle. You haven't really tuned religion out totally, but at the same time, you're not really embracing religion, and that's what we have as a national uh, situation. Now, I want to wrap this up in the remaining, I think I've got about 10 minutes. Okay. Why the future of religion in Canada is very bright. Why we can talk about uh, a growth industry when we're looking at religion. Well, for starters, religion is alive, as we've just been saying, across the planet. And uh, lots of life in Canada. What a lot of people don't seem to be aware of is that globally religion has been making an interesting comeback. Uh, not that it was ever uh, experiencing serious problems. But just uh, some quick uh, facts here. Christianity, Islam, fastest growing religions. Uh, some religious demographers say that Christianity is on its biggest role in its 2,000-year history. And um, numbers like this. Between 1950 and uh, 2000, Catholics grew from 500 million to over a billion. Did you know that? And those Pentecostals, some of us grew up, I think of myself, and I've had a lot of time to anecdote, growing up in Edmonton and discovering Pentecostals. 
And, um, I mean, I wasn't that far away, I suppose. Cousins, I grew up as a Baptist. And, but those Pentecostals seemed strange. You know, they seemed like a wild-eyed bunch. And you know, a lot of us thought they were fanatics and all that. Well, you look and you think there were no Pentecostals in 1900. And by 2000, half a billion. Half a billion. And, um, wow. Uh, key growth areas, as you know, are those countries. And uh, predicting, some, some people are predicting by 2050. Who knows for sure? There could be 220 million Christians in China, 15% of the population. Well, this is the kind of chart that will make you dizzy, so just take a quick glance and look away uh, before the pain sets in here. But um, a very significant report released by uh, the Pew Forum in the United States just a couple of weeks ago and uh, projecting religious identification worldwide uh, by 2050. And you can see that uh, as a market share, uh, Christians uh, will uh, essentially know uh, the same uh, share at around 31% in 2050 as they do today. Muslims will be growing. You look at no religion, uh, Pew is actually projecting, and they have a lot of good indicators that they're basing this on. No religion worldwide essentially will go down. It's not going to be going up. And then you can see some of the, uh, the uh, predictions or at least forecasts for some of the other groups as well. Well, being good sociologists, we teach our students that uh, as things are going on globally through immigration, these things are going to have an impact on Canada. So the simple uh, deduction here. If religion is alive and well across the planet and people come to Canada from these various other parts of the world, you can take the, uh, the two and put them together. Are you aware of this in, the, in terms of a general outline? We're talking about where are people globally uh, going. This is getting your area, especially, Susan. Well, let's see if uh, you read the Pew is right. Uh, Canada coming in number five. Number one, drum roll, United States in terms of sheer numbers. Uh, one of the things that's interesting to note there, I was speaking to Americans about two weeks ago and, and uh, noting that about 12 million of these people are actually coming from Mexico. And uh, so dramatic impact, and you can think of the implications, dramatic impact on religion. Well, in Canada, contrary to, the, to what people have been say, saying, widespread rumor, we're saying that religion is far from a thing of the past, and with immigration, it will continue to have an important future. Uh, one of the things that's so important to keep in mind in, in trying to understand the impact of religion on religion of immigration is the source, sources, as far as the source countries of people coming to Canada and the dramatic change that's taken place. We look at 1981, we look at projections through 2031, and the way to read that quickly, if you look at the blue part, you're looking at people coming from Asia. 1981, 14%. By 2013, the forecast, over 50% uh, of people come, who are coming here are coming from Asian countries. At the same time, European immigration uh, down dramatically. Now, for those of you who are United Church, you start doing the math here and start to think of implications. Uh, if you're a Roman Catholic, if the people are coming from Asian countries, uh, particularly these days from the Philippines, what would you project will be the impact on religion? Uh, think back in the good days, uh, immigration-wise, for people who are United or Anglican. A lot of those people were coming from Europe and coming from Britain, and you can see then anticipate what the implications would be. A lot of people assume that when we have immigration, we have religious diversity in Canada, an increasing amount of diversity in Canada through immigration. Partly true, but if we look at a 10-year period, a recent 10-year period, 
the way to read that is of the people who came to Canada between 2000 and roughly 2010. But the, the people coming, when they arrived here, over 20% were Roman Catholic. So they, they arrived here as Catholics. Protestants, 23. You put that together, you're closing in on 50% of the immigrant population being either Roman Catholic or Protestant. Other faiths, definitely significant. And uh, people arriving with no religion, also noteworthy. But you can see here that uh, there's a lot of life being added to the Roman Catholic and Protestant ranks as well as a result of immigration. And again, please don't get lost in the numbers. I always tell people more interested in ideas than the numbers. Uh, but you look at immig immigrant totals during that period, and you think that if you're someone who is a proponent of uh, an adherent and a proponent for these groups, you think of what the implications are when you look at the numbers. Anglicans, for example, 23,000 people arrived as Anglicans. United Church, 10. Another drum roll. Roman Catholics, 478,000, almost a half a, does that work out to half a billion? <laughs> half a million? <laughs> anyway, 478,000, so half a million people arriving in Canada as Roman Catholics. And you can see how that fuels things. When you think of the growth of no the no religion category, Keep in mind a lot of people who are coming to Canada also come as people having no religion. Muslims, 388,000. Well, here's something that's uh, really uh, noteworthy, and that's when people are coming, a lot of individuals would say, so they're arriving from these countries, but how does that have an impact as far as religious participation in Canada? Well, the re well, way to read that table is, and this is again our 2015 national survey, those born outside of Canada who are under the age of 35, almost 50% of them are attending services monthly or more. For those born in Canada, 22%. So the immigrants, even when they're very young, and especially when they're very young, are actually actively involved in religious groups. And you can see that that pattern holds, but it's particularly highest among those under the age of 35. What's the primary concern every religious group in Canada has had? How do, we, how do we attract younger people? Well, the good news here is through immigration, uh, collectively at least, these in the last decade or so, the people who are coming to Canada who are younger are actually, uh, the of these three uh, cohorts, they're the, they're the most likely to be actively involved in religious groups. And what's more, immigration is not uh, uh, going to, to be diminishing. It's going to become even a more important uh, factor in terms of Canada's population. Uh, we only have a few minutes here and we can pick up on some details later. But the bottom line on this is that with the aging of the population uh, accelerating as baby boomers reach uh, the age of 65 and then disappear from, uh, from, the, from Canada, the fact of the matter is that immigration is be going to become the major source of population growth. And uh, so immigration, rather than becoming less important, is going to be more and more important uh, in Canada. This is just a table showing that. If you could natural increase, you look at immigration over time, you can see that uh, by 2035, 2036, and thereafter, that immigration is going to be the major source of population growth in Canada. So what we're saying as we look at Canada in the future, immigration is going to be telling so much of the story. And when we're looking at the impact that that's going to have on religion in Canada, you can see it's utterly dramatic. Now, so not everyone's losing these days. We put it in crass summary terms. Catholics, Evangelicals, Muslims, lots of vitality. They have lots of hope. And um, no religion category as well. 
You see here, here's a composite table just showing, if you look at the blue, you're looking at 2009 versus 1931 and the religious identification. And you can see that the winners here, Catholics, no religion, evangelicals, other world faiths. And uh, due respect again to those of you who are United and Anglican and Presbyterian, but you can see that uh, your market shares of the, as far as the Canadian population uh, have been diminishing dramatically. When you look at a table like that, just remember a very simple thing. And again, I don't mean it just in a nasty way, but, uh, but in a summation way. Not everyone's losing. Don't, don't buy into this idea that, you know, these are just terrible times. Religion is, uh, you know, religion was once very prominent. Now it's not prominent. When you look at tables like that, the Catholics don't know what you're talking about. Uh, look at their market share. In uh, 1931, 41% of Canadians identifying themselves as Catholics. Today it's 40%. And uh, again, immigration, a major factor there. Well, uh, I put that table up just in the last couple of weeks or so, because I've only had it that long. And I followed it with that. That was the most important slide in the presentation. Uh, did you? So we better go back to it a half a second. <laughs> and the way to read that is just simply to say that when we're going to talk about religion in Canada, where it's headed... Uh, the Pew people again, Pew Research Center, uh, saying that in Canada, 69% uh, of Canadians uh, identifying themselves as Christians as of 2010. And they're saying by 2050, it'll be 60%. So there's going to be a decline, but not because of the no religion uh, component, as much as the fact we're going to see ongoing growth with respect to Muslims, for example. But the point is, is that by 2050, Canada and Christians specifically are going to know, uh, well, the, Canada is going to know the presence of religion. We're saying Christianity will continue to be prominent uh, by 2050. A market for religion is going to continue to exist. Here's the tough question. What groups are going to service that market? So it's not a matter of looking ahead and saying, hey, religion's had it. No, we're saying the best projections tell us there's going to be a lot of people here who are going to be identifying themselves as Christians. And the question is, uh, who will respond? I see we're down to probably 30 seconds. The good news for religious groups, religion's future is not in question. The ongoing needs of large numbers guarantee the ongoing role for religion. But the sobering news for religious groups is that their individual futures are anything but guaranteed. The two challenges we can talk about in a, in, a, in a moment in detail is essentially how do we respond to immigrants then for those who value faith. And uh, the second big thing is going to be how to uh, reach out and uh, how to touch the lives of this large uh, sector within Canada who constitutes something of an ambivalent middle. That's why religion is a growth industry. Don't fear for the future religion. Thank you.